1951, a man by the name that many of you have heard of, Bill Bright, believed God was calling him to minister to students on the UCLA campus, so he started Campus Crusade for Christ. Within six years, he then wrote the Four Spiritual Laws track, a simple tool to help people share their faith and help lead others to the Lord. And in it, he offers four brief statements, what he termed spiritual laws, to summarize the gospel. They simply are, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. All of us have sinned and therefore are separated from God and his wonderful plan. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for sin, and through him we can have our sins forgiven and a right relationship with God restored. And the fourth is, we must place our faith in Jesus as Savior in order to receive the gift of salvation and know God's wonderful plan for our lives. With over one and a half billion copies in print in 146 languages, there's no question that many lives have been changed through those simple words. God created you and I. And he does have a wonderful plan for our lives. But it involves far more than simply new birth and getting into heaven. Those are merely the beginning. Sometimes we can lose sight of the fact that new birth is the starting point of God's wonderful plan for us. That plan's not hidden, it's not hard to decipher, it's clearly stated over and over again throughout Scripture. But maybe perhaps it's because it's so common, it's easy for us to overlook it, like searching for glasses that are on the top of our head or keys that we have in our hand. And Rather than rely on a single passage this morning, I want to look at three groups of passages to show how widespread and common certain points are. First point is very simple. God does have a wonderful purpose for your life. It should be obvious as I read a selection of passages that deal with it. In Matthew, Jesus said, But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. In Mark 4, Jesus said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. He said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. John 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus said, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. In Colossians, Paul said, All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. He also said, We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. 
One last one in Romans 7, Paul said, So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who is raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. Each of these passages talk about God's intent for us and for our lives to be productive, to bear fruit. These are only a handful of verses I could have chosen. There are over 50 different passages in the New Testament alone that make that very same point. You have been called into relationship with Jesus Christ, not just so you can go to heaven when you die, but so that your life will bear fruit for Christ. Or as he said in one of the verses I just read, you did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Just as with plants and trees, fruit reflects growth and life and health. It comes naturally. Life with Christ is never meant to be static. God wants, expects his children to grow just as any parent expects their newborn child to grow and mature. And if they don't, it's an indication that something is seriously wrong. The fruit we are to bear falls primarily in two areas our character, and our witness. For because fruit bears the nature, it bears the character of the tree or the plant from which it comes. So a mango tree produces mangoes, banana trees produce bananas. So Jesus said, if you make a tree good, its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For the tree is recognized by its fruit. We are to be attached to Christ. He is the vine, we are the branches. We are to bear fruit that reflects who Christ is. That is the fruit we are to bear. We become like him. And in looking at God's intent, his purpose for our lives, we look to Jesus to see what our lives should begin to look like. His wonderful purpose for your life, the fruit that he wants you to bear, deals directly with the type of person he wants you to be. In Ephesians, Paul said, the fruit of the light, and Jesus is the light, its fruit consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Galatians elaborates further when Paul said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all traits that are character issues. But they're all descriptions of what Jesus is like. Love describes Jesus' whole life and character. So in producing fruit to be like him, God's plan for your life is to make you more loving. People who act not just out of self-interest, but in the interest of others as well, to the point where you're willing, Scripture says, even to lay down your life for others. And Jesus said, this is how people will know whether we are his disciples or not, is by watching us and seeing if we have love for one another. The fruit of the Spirit, a natural outgrowth of the Spirit's presence in our lives, is joy. God's plan for your life is to make you a person of joy. Not just when things are going well, but joy to carry you through the difficult times as well. In a world constantly being torn apart by war and hatred, a natural outgrowth of the Spirit's activity of your life is peace. God's plan is to make us people of peace, people who are secure in his loving arms, at peace in the midst of the storm, 
When you're constantly standing in lines and waiting for traffic and running late and pressed to the limit, patience becomes necessary to keep your cool in dealing with others. And so patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit, part of God's plan for your life, to make you a more patient person. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness, not just to animals, but to each other. It's to become descriptive of our lives. You know, we, sometimes we may think we're simply stating what's on our mind or being honest, but there's no excuse for being rude or unkind because those are opposed to Jesus' character of kindness. Goodness is not relative. The word itself has to do with generous living, how we treat others, and it's an evidence of the Spirit's work in our lives. When relationships come and go, when commitments are frequently broken, faithfulness becomes also important and an evidence of Jesus' presence in our life because it too is one of the fruit of the Spirit, helping us be true to our commitment and our word and our relationships and our Lord. There's no reason to be rude or harsh when dealing with others as if somehow they're less important. So Jesus lifts up those around us. He's gentle, bringing peace to our life. Self-control hardly needs to be explained when we're constantly bombarded by messages to indulge ourselves, to consume, to deny ourselves nothing. But central to all God's plans for our lives is the type of people he wants us to be, the type of people he originally created us to be, the type of people that reflect who Jesus is because we become a new creation in him, a people who are different in how we live. And that difference is to be reflected in how others see us. Are we different from those around us? When they see the way we talk to or treat our husband or our wife or our children or our parents, are we any different than the world? How do we go about our work? Begrudging? Grumpy? Burdened? What about the way we treat our coworkers or our bosses? The world will look on and see if we are any different. Do we reflect the nature of Christ in our lives? Jesus said, if I'm lifted up from the world, I will draw all people to me. What about us? Looking at my life, would anyone want to follow Christ? That's the importance of fruit. Becoming attractive to those around us. The second aspect of fruit, which flows from the first, deals with reproduction. Fruit bears seeds to reproduce. The fruit of the Spirit isn't just what happens inside of us. It's reflected outside as well as I bear witness to my Savior. And so Jesus said, go and make disciples. Help other people become my followers. In Romans 1, Paul said, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you. Neither that fruit might be born. It's God's intent that we help people see Christ, draw, be drawn to him, to we become a part of his redemptive work in the world, which is why Paul could tell the Corinthians we are his spokespersons, his ambassadors, through whom God is making his appeal to the world. We are called to plant the seeds which God then makes grow. Looking at your life and character, 
Does anyone want to be a follower of Christ? Love should mark our lives, not hatred. Jesus said, by your love, you'll be known. Are we joyful or are we grumpy? In a world in turmoil, do we have peace in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the killings in Louisiana or in Dallas or the bombings in France? Can we still have a peace in the midst of it all, knowing that God ultimately is in control of it all? Unless we realize his purpose, we may be tempted to see our faith and our salvation as a finished product, something which we already have attained, rather than something meant to blossom and to grow. God's purpose for our lives simply is to bear fruit, seen in our relationships with him and our relationship with others. Here's another set of passages which deal with unproductive lives. Matthew 25, Jesus said, A man was going on a journey and called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave one talent according to his ability. The servant went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of the servant returned and settled accounts with him. The servant said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Condemning an unproductive life. His intent is we produce. He wasn't so happy with the man who didn't. In Luke 13, Jesus said, A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it. But he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? In John 15, Jesus said, I'm the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. In Matthew 21, he said, seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it but found nothing on it except leaves. And they said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And then in Matthew 5, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. The message in these and so many other passages is Jesus condemns nonproductive lives. John the Baptist warned his hearers that they must produce fruit in keeping with repentance. If we're in Christ, if we are followers of him, we will bear fruit to the point that God might even do a little pruning in our lives so we can become even more productive. Because God wants you to reflect his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his self-control so that others can see what Jesus is like in you. Unproductive lives are lives controlled by our own passions and our desires and our selfishness. When greed is motivating us, when our anger is controlling us, when jealousy and envy dominate us, when hatred and prejudice fill us. After all, when a plant stops growing, it does start dying. And that happens in relationships too. How's your growth? Are you closer to your Savior today than a year ago? What's holding you back? 
God's purpose is that you grow and blossom and bear fruit. Third group of passages deal with becoming productive. In Matthew 10, Jesus said, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In Luke 9, he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Forever who want, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. In Galatians Paul wrote, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Romans he says, count yourselves dead to sin, alive to God. In Colossians he says, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why do you still act as if you still belong to it? In Colossians, he said, you died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. In Timothy, he says, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. All these passages mention giving up our striving and our pushing our own agenda and learning to follow the Lord in what he's leading us. The resurrected life is not possible without Calvary. Fruit comes as we let go. So Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it's only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Fruit ultimately comes through the cross. And so Paul could say, since you died to the law through the body of Christ, you might belong to, so that you might belong to another to him who was raised from the dead, in order that you might bear fruit for God. 28 times in the New Testament, it insists that the path to life and fruitfulness runs through the cross. We tend to see the cross of Jesus merely as something he did for us 2,000 years ago. But what passages like these point to is that Christ, the cross is something done within us as well. It's the path to change. Because as Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a, bids a person come, he bids him come and die. And it works itself out in so many ways, letting go of our jealousy and our bitterness, our temper, our efforts of striving, learning to let go. How's the fruit of your life growing? It's determined largely by your willingness to be stretched, through exercising your faith, not or just as bodies, muscles grow when they're stretched and exercises, our faith, our fruit grows as we are stretched. Sometimes that means stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, I hear many say that they won't memorize scripture because it's hard. When, since when does difficulty mean we don't do something? Scripture is essential for our growth. And studies increasingly find the importance of the continuing to learn and be challenged in all stages of life, even into old age. We need to be learning and be growing mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Maybe you need to step out and to do something new. To be honest, this whole mission trip to Taiwan for me was a stepping out in faith. It was a stepping out of my own comfort zone. Some of you know I don't feel comfortable working with children. And yet I had eight 
sixth and seventh grade girls, and two boys. That was not a comfortable experience for me, but it's something I knew I needed to do because I needed to be challenged and stretched in a new way. I felt ill-prepared, but that's something that made me rely that much more on Christ to help me get through it and know what to do. Maybe you need to take a step on our next mission trip to be challenged to do something, to step outside of yourself to, so that you trust in Christ to help you through it. If our growth is stalled, perhaps it's time to deny ourselves and take up some new practice, some new discipline, so that God can work in a new area of your life, so that you can be stretched and pushed into new directions, so that you can learn what it means again to rely upon the Lord. God's purpose for your life is to bear fruit. He's not satisfied with unproductive lives, and fruit ultimately comes through the cross. Or as the forced spiritual law tract says, God loves you, he has a wonderful plan for your life, All of us have sinned and are therefore separated from God and his wonderful plan. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for sin, and through him you can have your sins forgiven and a right relationship with God restored. And ultimately you must place your faith in Jesus as Savior in order to receive the gift of salvation and discover for yourself God's wonderful plan for your life. That's the invitation God makes to us. That's the invitation we have as we come to the close of our service. God's desire is to give you life. Life eternal, yes, but life here and now to be lived today in this life, in your work, in your home, in your play. It's an invitation that he extends, that we extend as well this morning as we come to the close of our worship. So I'm going to ask our worship team if they would come. And as we have a word of prayer, it's an invitation to reflect within your own heart. Is there something in your own life that is blocking you from producing fruit? Maybe you're fearful of of stepping out in some area God is calling you to. Maybe it's time you just simply ask for prayer. If so, we invite you to come as we stand together, as we sing But first, let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for this day that you have given, that we can worship you, that we can praise you. Help us, Lord, not to be fearful of challenge, but to see them as opportunities that you provide for us to rely that much more on the faith that saves us and grows us. Help us, Lord, to be a people who step out in following, even in those uncomfortable times, because we know you are leading, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back